0: This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. My definition, my slide that I have to begin with is the energized slide. I want you to at least take this down because it's a good slide for you to pray. God revealing himself by his spirit to our spirit for the specific purpose of encouraging, enabling, and energizing. Now, I'm believing no matter what level you're on, no matter what you're thinking, no matter what you're going through right now, because every person that's listening to my voice will have different seasons of life. Some of you are in the valley trying to look up and see if you can get out. Some of you are kind of halfway up the mountain feeling pretty good about things, but you have some loose ends, some of you are on the mountaintop, and you're believing God for great things, you have a real open spirit, and you're, just, uh, you're so energized already, you're so encouraged already. What we're praying is that every valley will be exalted, every mountain brought down, there will be a pathway, an even pathway of the Lord, that we would actually move together in a spirit of strength, and a spirit of prayer. And as we do that, every individual will be strengthened, every person, Will find a place where God will what? Reveal Himself to you. I want God to reveal Himself to you, enable you, energize you, encourage you, fill your spirit with a new spirit of faith and vision. Ephesians 1:19. You will also know the unlimited greatness. Now, this is what the Bible said, so I'm going to believe it for you and me. The unlimited greatness of his power as it works with might and strength for us, the believers. Unlimited greatness. Lord, I'm believing unlimited greatness is on its way. And unlimited greatness will burst forth in our spirit and we will have all the resource and all the strength we need for every challenge coming. 2014 will be an awesome year, be an awesome year. Yes, there will be some mountains, some challenges, some trials, some fire. There will be some disappointments, some stuff that will happen that you're not ready for, I'm not ready for. You'll have to get through it. But guess what? No matter what your faith, you will get through it because of the power of a living God that's moving in your life. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Spirit of the living God is breathing in and through your life to take you to new places, and you're going to inherit a spirit of faith corporately as we all pray together. The water level goes up. Every January when we do this, the water level goes up. It's it's really so incredible, and it's so uh, wonderful that a spirit of prayer, when it takes the congregation higher, the whole congregation, even some that maybe don't wanna go higher, you're kinda lifted, you kinda feel why, because there's a synergy, there's a synergy of prayer Begin to take place. Now, this is what we're after right here. Energized with prayer and fasting. This is where I'm headed. I want you to be energized. How? Well, the Bible is very specific. Prayer is energizing. But if you add fasting to it, it's a double portion. So prayer and fasting is the biblical means by which I can really be energized, but it's not practiced very much by the American church, by the USA church. It is practiced a lot in South America and the Middle East, other places in the world that I go to. They are fasting and praying every week. They, they simply live a fast and prayer life. In Korea, they set the, the uh, standard for prayer and fasting with their prayer mountain. They have over 7,000 people a day that pray and fast every single day of the year, up to 21,000 people a day that pray and fast. No wonder Korea, Brother Cho and his church has seen almost a million people in that local church and they've changed the nation and and the miracles and the testimonies. Well, there's a a price to pay if you want to live in that realm or if you believe for that realm or if you want the Holy Spirit to go deeper than uh, what you have right now. And that price, according to Scripture, is prayer with fasting. The biblical powerful way to be truly energized by the Holy Spirit as each person chooses to pray with fasting. Reading the word of God. So simple, so dynamic, so deep, so wonderful. Early Church did it. First hundred years of the church, prayer and fasting is the theme of history. It's not the addition, it's not the uh flavor once in a while it's the very theme of the early church fathers it's the very theme of the early church it's what they rested in it's what they moved through with with prayer everything they did was with prayer everything so we're calling you into a new commitment to pray we already are a praying church we pray a lot we have a lot of prayer groups everywhere everybody has intercessors we have prayer meetings going on all over but we can pray more and we can pray deeper and this is what I'm asking. It's your choice. Here's some scriptures I want you to take down. All of these scriptures, Joel and Ezra and Chronicle, Daniel, Nehemiah, Matthew, those scriptures right there all have one thing in common. You choose. It says, in Joel, turn to me with all your heart. You turn, you turn. God doesn't turn you you turn. Joel said, turn to me with all your heart. Rin your heart, not your garments. Bring yourself broken before the Lord. It's all a decision that you have to make at some point. It says in Ezra chapter 9 and verse 5, it says that he was fasting and praying, and it says that he fell upon his knees spread his hand toward heaven, and prayed one of the best prayers in the Bible. But he was calling the Lord into his circumstance. He turned to the Lord in the midst of the pressure. In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3 and 4, you have here another crisis situation, and it says in 2 Chronicles that he set himself. This is the king that is very serious because if God doesn't move, they're history. And it says in 2 Chronicles 20, That he set himself to seek the Lord. He set himself. I'm sure the whole palace caught on real fast. Wow, what's the king doing? He's setting himself aside. There's no administration as normal. Nobody's going in the same. There's no bringing gifts right now. There's nothing. He won't see anybody. What's going on? He has set himself to seek the Lord. How? With prayer and fasting. Oh, he's serious. This is the king that can eat any time, any way, any food. He can have all things all the time and he set everything aside. I can't talk you into setting yourself aside for the Lord. That is something you have to choose to do. I've chosen to do that my whole life, certain seasons of my life. Certain times of the year, even when you don't know what I'm doing, I set myself aside to get away and and see the Lord. Why? Because I understand that there has to be some kind of a dedication and a focus in order to really hear from the Lord. And no one can take your heart and set it aside but you. But you, I can call you to fast and a prayer, I can say to you, this is a great idea, I can try to inspire you, I can try to do a lot of things with this, but the bottom line is you'll have to set yourself, you'll have to turn to the Lord yourself. In Daniel 9 and verse three it says, and he set his face, and I like this phrase, toward the Lord. Now, he had a lot of people trying to get his attention, but Daniel set his face toward the Lord. Matter of fact, he opened the windows so that people could actually see what he was doing, and he set himself and his his face and his will and his prayers toward the Lord. Wow. Wow. Nehemiah. He sat down, he wept, and it says, and he fasted, and he prayed. Why, he had nothing else that could help him. The whole nation was so far beyond anything that he could do. He sat down, which means he stopped. He wept, which means he was broken. He fasted, and he prayed. And again, if you read Nehemiah chapter one and two, actually there's 11 prayers in Nehemiah you can read out of this man because once he began to pray, everything he did was clothed in a passionate spirit of prayer. Matthew 17, 21, it says, this situation won't change without prayer and fasting. That's what it says. This situation won't change without prayer and fasting. This person will not be delivered without prayer and fasting. This circumstance will not change without prayer and fasting. This door will not open without prayer and fasting. There are certain things in your life that will never happen without prayer and fasting. That's a fact. There are certain doors, there are certain things in other people's lives, and your own life, that will not happen unless you tap into the supernatural power of the kingdom of God and move that thing around. It won't happen without prayer and fasting. I'm not saying nothing will happen ever, but I'm saying there are certain things that will not happen without prayer and fasting. Way back when I was a young man, just in my late 20s, teaching in Bible college, Married since I was 26, I'm about 29 now at this point. I didn't really understand all the ramifications of all my decisions and how to do it just like any 20 plus person would. But I'm just trying to braille my way through and serve God the best I can. And the Lord put a burden for me to plant a church. Well, that was mind-boggling for me because that meant leaving everything, blah, blah, blah. The very first thing I did Without telling anybody, I set myself on a 21 day fast. And the Lord spoke to me and said, A man will come to your door. He will knock on your door and he will tell you what city to plant your church in. Well, that's pretty phenomenal. And that's really out there. It was about the fourth or fifth day, a man came to my door. Knocked on my door. I had never met the man before in my life. His daughter was in our Bible college. He knocked on my door late one afternoon. I was actually on my knees praying when he came to my door. I opened the door. He excuse me for barging into your privacy kind of a thing. You know, apologies. No, not a problem. I don't know the man. He says, the Lord told me to come here. I talked to my daughter, I found out where you lived, and so I'm knocking on your door. You don't have to let me in, I just have something to say to you, okay? He says, the Lord spoke to me that I was to come and invite you into our city to plant a church. I don't know what that means to you, I don't know if you're even thinking about planting a church, but I wanted to obey the Lord and just invite you into Eugene, Oregon to plant a church in that city. It couldn't have been more of a supernatural visitation for me. I was speechless. He thought I was offended or confused. He didn't know and he started. apologizing. I said, you don't need to. I'll talk with you later. And I went back to my prayer time. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it would have happened like that without my fasting and my praying. I'm not sure. What I am sure of, it was absolutely supernatural. And there was no doubt what I was supposed to do. There was no reasoning, and maybe, and let's do, you know, I was actually looking into planting the church in San Luis Obispo and Santa Barbara, and we had gone down there for 10 days and done all the research. I'm from California. That's where I was headed, with Santa Barbara. So we had already set our compass. We had already set our emotion. That's my land. That's my, I was raised. That's where I come from. I feel comfortable. God put in me to love the sun. S-U-N. And so I really thought I'd go to California. But then that supernatural thing, why? Because I set my face. I turned my heart. I opened my spirit. I fasted. I prayed. And I didn't stop when the man said on the fourth or fifth day, I went and finished. And then the Lord gave me another visitation with the Scripture out of the book of Ezra that became my pivotal building block for all the years, I was in Eugene. It was a supernatural open heaven. That scripture and exactly what happened when we went there. Fasting and prayer does something in the supernatural realm, the invisible realm, that you really don't understand until you open that realm. Paul Young and Cho talks about fasting. He says this, being full of the Holy Spirit does not necessarily cause one to walk in the power of the Spirit. I believe the way into the power is to fast, and to pray. Jensen Franklin, great friend of mine, and a great man, been with Jensen several times. I love Jensen. And I love that he is also a man of prayer and fasting. He says this, fasting is not a requirement, and it's not, it's not in the New Testament anywhere like it was in the old as a requirement. There is no requirement for fasting. Fasting is not a requirement, it's a choice. Matter of fact, it is a vow you choose to make to pursue God on a deeper level. But you make it. The entire time that you are on a fast, you are acknowledging God. When you are feeling hungry, empty, weak, you connect with God without all the clutter. That way, fasting is a time vow. It is also a discipline vow. Fasting, especially a longer fast, strengthens your character in every area of your life. Andrew Murray, one of the old-time writers, and I have every book he's ever written, which is dozens. He was a man of prayer, wrote a lot of his books actually on his knees, wrote his books longhand on his knees. Andrew Murray says about prayer and fasting, and I thought this was a simple but a simple revelation. He says, prayer is reaching out after the unseen got it. Fasting is letting go of all that is seen. Prayer reaches to the unseen. Fasting lets go of all the things you do see. All the temporal, all the things you're used to. Fasting is letting go of something that is the food and whatever else you fast. There's several things you probably should fast when you fast. Fasting helps express, deepen, confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything and even ourselves to attain what we seek for in the kingdom of God. Wow, I'm not sure I'm at that place where I would sacrifice myself, but I think I would. I think I am, but fasting deepens the true Christ root. It deepens something in you. It actually breaks the carnal man. You know, sin entered through food. I'm not saying eating is sin. But the fact of the will that was bent and the carnal man that gave in, the fact that sin was entry point had something to do with eating and food. There's something to do also with the strengthening of the will and to do the purposes of God when you go without food. There's some connection there. It's a mysterious thing, but there is a connection there. In the Bible... Here's a list of people that prayed and fast. So, you would be in good company. Moses, he fasted 40 days on more than one occasion. David, he fasted in crisis and he fasted when he wasn't in a crisis. Elijah, it was the fast that Elijah did that changed his whole ministry. Ahab, he fasted and said, the Lord turned his circumstance around. Daniel, Daniel's, one of the great characters in the Bible about prayer and fasting. Esther, think about it. Think about the kingdom of God and her famous phrase for for this reason I am here. And 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 peradventure, God is going to turn this whole thing around. And it all came out of her calling everybody to a fast. Everybody came in and fasted with Esther. Ezra, Nehemiah, Anna, think about Anna. It says in the New Testament, she fasted and prayed every day. She lived a fasting life until she would see the Lord Jesus Himself. That she would see the infant and then she would pass away because she was an older woman. But she would dedicate to the fasting and prayer. Jesus Himself, after 40 days of fasting, it says He came back in the power of the Spirit after 40 days of fasting and the miracles were released. The disciples fasted. The elders in the book of Acts fasted. Cornelius and his house. You know, you read about the whole miracle of the house and the whole house turns to the Lord and the visitation of Peter and how the whole thing's happened. But it started with Cornelius fasting and praying every day. And it was during his fast that the Lord appeared to him and said, you don't have to do this any longer because I'm gonna work something out right now. It was out of fasting and praying. Paul, believers, church, we all fast and pray. All right, here it is. Prayer with fasting, It's voluntarily going without food or some other desire in order to focus on God. Dieting is not fasting. Go without food for a lot of reason or eat healthy. Of course you should, but that is not biblical fast. Biblical fast. Is that you go without food for a purpose and you replace the going without food with prayer and the food time become God time. The hunger pains signal you to spiritual hunger pain and there's a focus of you being hungry. It's not just going hungry. It's dedicating yourself, denying natural desires and intensely concentrating on the things of God and directing our hunger toward God. Every time you feel a hunger pain, You're saying, Lord, that's your pain, and that's my body saying I need more of you, and Lord, this is a signal for me to pray more, and Lord, I I am dedicated, I'm turning, I am seeking, I am focused, I'm towards you right now, I'm looking for some answers, I'm, I'm looking for you to do some awesome things. Prayer and fasting will change your life. All right, as you pray and fast, you will have, and should have, some faith-filled expectations, all right? Some faith-filled expectations. We combine prayer and fasting because we believe it creates a supernatural chemistry. And that supernatural chemistry actually releases something in the invisible supernatural heavenly realm that is not normally released just with prayer. Jesus says, you know, I know you guys are praying for this, but it's not going to change unless you add fast into your prayer. Daniel. I mean, all the people we've talked about. The Bible adds this power piece to say, it works, it works. Some of the first things I ever did as a Jesus freak when we first got turned around, I mean, I'm, I'm talking in my late 17, into my 17th year on planet Earth, and my 18th year, right into the Jesus People movement. The very first thing we did, we didn't know anything, we were, we were a bunch of dummies. Dr. Nichols, who was part of the house at Albee's, invited us up to his house in Pinion Hills, which was up toward the mountains, and it's in a desert place, and he had this huge house. So Albie says, we're all going up. There was 11 of us. We're going to pray and fast for some days. I had never done it in my life. Never. I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. He took three of us and dropped us off, not at the doctor's plush home, but in a little hunting cabin out in the middle of nowhere, with no food and nothing but water in the place, and left us there for three days. That's how I learned to pray and fast. There was no 7-Eleven, there was no pizza man to deliver, there was no options. And I can remember my prayer and fasting time just having the Bible, Thompson, Chain King James, and just going through the Bible, then my Amplified Bible, and about the third day, walking through the desert and praying scriptures, something happened. Something opened in me. I don't know if I would call it a, another filling of the Holy Spirit, but something happened. Presence of God began to surround my life, and the Word of God began to open up to me at that point. I began writing, and furiously things I would see during the day, and A lot of those things that I look back on because I still have them. They would be right. They, They were Holy Spirit thought. The Holy Spirit began to open my heart to a deeper realm of the Holy Spirit. Do not dismiss yourself because you're a plumber, electrician, a real estate agent, a college student, uh, a mom, uh, a dad, a construction worker, and surely you don't expect me to be spiritual, do you? I mean, honestly, you know, i got to do physical labor. Yes, there's levels of fasting you can do and not kill yourself. We'll talk about that. But I'm talking to every individual that would have any heart at all To say, I'd like to deepen my relationship to Jesus. I would like some special visitation of Almighty God. I would like my prayer life to increase and break some of this old carnal stuff off of me. If you have anything in you, this would be a great time for you to pray and fast. Here are five things you should expect when you pray and fast. Number one. Expect deeper dedication to come into your desires, into your lifestyle. Expect it. Pray it. Daniel 9.3 says, I set my face toward the Lord to make requests and supplications. Well, this is a deeper dedication of prayer. 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9. 2 Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is dedicated to him. And this is, you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars because they did not come to the strength of the Lord. They went in their own strength. But the eyes of the Lord go to and fro looking for people that are dedicated. Second Chronicles 15 says, they entered into a covenant. Verse 12, 2 Chronicles 15, 12. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord. This is dedication. Would you dare to make a vow before the Lord? Would you dare Be careful if you do, but would you dare to value your time and your mornings and and yourself and really dedicate yourself and take a risk and a chance and put yourself out there and actually have a, a new spirit of dedication that would come upon you? I challenge you, prayer and fasting will help you have a deeper dedication to the word, prayer, and Jesus himself. Number two, a softer heart. When you pray and fast, a plow begins to plow your heart. One of the things that will happen is the hardness of heart will be broken up. Might not happen the first day or the second day or the fifth day, but if you pray and fast long enough, you will find that that hardened heart of yours. What is a hardened heart? It's anything that is cold and insensitive. If you are unfeeling, unyielding, dull, hard to understand things, unable to see things, don't really appreciate the greatness of God, you're just a little bit negative, you're just a little bit shallow, you're just a little bit, don't understand, don't care, don't see, don't pray, don't declare, don't move, don't knock, don't... If you have that kind of a heart, prayer and fasting will put a plow and it will actually soften your heart till you find yourself Laying on the floor with your face on the carpet. Your hands stretched out in front of you. That's a great posture. It's a great posture. When you actually begin to weep and you don't even know you're weeping, that's a prayer posture. When I get so into the spirit of prayer, Sometimes I start wiping my eyes and I think, I was crying and didn't even know I was crying. How did that happen? Because the heart is so driven to that point of, having God reveal himself and touch his throne and intercede for people and expect greatness and you start declaring things. And before you know it, a spirit of faith starts taking over. Your, your prayers start meaning something to you. They, that You start believing them and then your heart breaks for people. Your heart breaks for circumstances and, and you get so into it before you know it. Your heart has been plowed. It's been plowed. Number three... Distractions will melt away. At first, it's a discipline. Then it becomes a desire. And then it becomes an enjoyment. Fasting in prayer is a discipline, but it doesn't stay just as a discipline. It turns into a desire. And after you give in to that desire, it becomes an enjoyment before you know it, distractions that used to be so important to you. Get that remote control, set in front of the TV, spend your evenings there. All of a sudden, you're not doing that. You don't have a desire to do that. Instead of you spending all your time doing certain things, you start setting aside some time for something you actually really desire. If I get away from the word of God too much, My spirit so hungers for the Word, I can't wait to get to my office at home and my secret place and open the Word and get into it because I know what it feels like to be fed by the Word. I know what it feels like to be talked to by the Spirit. I know what it feels like for God to actually visit me about some of my own stuff. So I want to get to that place. I desire it. I enjoy it. It works. It's awesome. Luke 2.37, and this woman was a widow, she's 84 years old, Luke 2.37, she's 84 years old, who did not depart from the temple. This woman's focused. to serve God with fastings and prayers night and day. What will you do when you're 84? You might not be able to play golf you might not be able to scoot around like you did when you were 54, but there's one thing you can do until the last breath you take. Pray. Intercede. Enjoy God. Open up heaven doors for people. This woman interceded night and day. Number five, no, number four, what about repentance of wrongs? 1 Samuel 7 verse 6 So they gathered together, they drew water, water. they're going to pray a corporate prayer, but why did they draw water and poured it out before the Lord? Because the water represented them being poured out before the Lord, and it represented what they were going to repent of. And it says, and they fasted that day and said... We have sinned before the Lord. We have sinned before the Lord. And the whole nation repented of wrong, of wrong. Repentance is a great Bible word. And it's a great Bible experience. And it's not something that happens one time when you're saved. Repentance is simply calling upon the name of the Lord to forgive you of the wrongs, the things. Nowadays, we don't like calling wrong sin, but the Bible calls it sin, missing the mark. The things that you have missed the mark with, the wrong things that have happened, the wrong things that live in you, the wrong things that drive your thinking, pour them out before the Lord like water. Water. Give them to the Lord and simply say, I have sinned. Lord, I want to release all this stuff. I'm going to give it to you and pour it out. Number five, a clean conscience. Your conscience is the faculty of your spirit man. Your conscience is that part of you that has a moral sense of right and wrong. Your conscience is what affects your behavior, and it's your conscience that speaks up at times. Sometimes, if we have a dull conscience, we can't hear it. Sometimes, if we quench our conscience, we're in danger, but you have a conscience, and you have something in you that speaks to you at times. If you keep saying no to it and muffle it, and you you bury it under the junk, the conscience will have a very, very small voice, but it's there. When you fast and pray, 2 Corinthians two. but we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Now, this is an apostle talking. Obviously, anybody can do this. If the apostle Paul needed to renounce the hidden things of shame, maybe you and I could fall into this. Not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul first says, we have some things to pour out before the Lord and to be very careful with. And we renounce the hidden things. And we're careful with the word of God. And we don't manipulate people. We're sincere before the Lord. We're clean before the Lord. And we speak to every man's conscience. That means you go deeper than the mind. Titus 1.15 To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. When your conscience gets defiled, you need to pray and fast. Hebrews 10, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled in a rest in Scripture from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water Hebrews 10, 22. What happens? Our conscience can become compromising. Your, compre- your conscience operates on content. Something's got to go into it. The level of knowledge you have of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God gives your conscience more voice because the conscience has to be filled with something. Here it says the conscience can be filled with evil. And that evil can cause you to compromise, cause you to reason, cause you to go your own way, cause you to excuse yourself with things you should never excuse yourself with. So the Holy Spirit comes on and says, hey, why are you excusing yourself from that? Well, because, no. You know what the Scripture says, Frank. There is no excuse. Clean your conscience of this. Put your moral value back in place. Know what is right. What is wrong? Quit living in the gray. Prayer and fasting does something to the deepness of your conscience. It cleanses it. I want to call everybody to that kind of commitment. Would you all stand to your feet? When we pray and fast you have a decision to make on what you wanna do. You can do a water-only fast. You can do a Daniel fast, which is fruits and vegetables. You can do, there are different kinds of fasts. Go to our website and download the whole Daniel fast. You can download that material, understand what it is. When you pray in fast, set yourself an agenda. When will you pray? 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at lunch, 30 minutes at night? Set yourself on a reading. Read the Psalms, read the Proverbs. Read something where you consume maybe 10 chapters a day. Just feed your, your spirit man with all kinds of Bible words. Just feed your spirit man with scripture. The spirit man will gobble up all those scriptures. Every night, there will be prayer at every campus, 7 o'clock. Except for Pearl has a different schedule. You saw that. We will have prayer. Come and pray at night. If you have nothing else to do. come and pray for an hour, just a one-hour prayer meeting. But set yourself on a course starting tomorrow with the rest of the congregation. Say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to choose my level. I'm going to dedicate. I'm going to get some cleansing. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to talk to me. It's going to be awesome. How many of you would say, Pastor Frank, we're in. Let me see your hands. Say, say we're, we're in. We're. Now, if you have a medical reason where you shouldn't be going out without food, then you need to check with doctor and do all that. I'm not telling you to cross any lines there. If there's some, some reason, you should obey the, the law of the doctor, you know. So I'm not saying violate anything there. But most of us will not die if we fast we will not have a horrible time now you can't expect if you go to water and juice or daniel fast even even toxics in your body such as coffees and sugars and all that what happens well the first day is headaches maybe a little dizziness at times maybe irritation maybe crankiness that's not the holy spirit (laughs) that is you trying to get in sync with the holy spirit second day If you hang in there, it'll be a little easier. The third day will change and you will move into a comfortable, enjoyable realm if you don't give in to the toxics that got you the headache. If you you keep doing that, you might have it your whole fast. 14 days, you might choose to do three days of this. You might choose to do all 14, a certain measure. I would encourage the whole church to think about the Daniel fast for a 14-day period. I think the Daniel fast is very doable. It's easy to do, and it's a Bible fast, and you can do it and work. You can do it and do anything. The Daniel fast works. People do it for 20 days, 40 days. It it works, it's a great way of eating. If you decide to do three days of just water only at some times, and that's between you and your dedication, you should try it sometime in your life to do at least one day of just water and the Word of God and see how you feel as you begin to seek the Lord. We're going to believe God for mighty things to happen. Can I hear an amen? Put your hand on your heart. Just uh, let me pray for you. Lord, right now I pray for the Spirit of God to fall upon our congregation. Lord, we love you. We love your word. We love the purposes of God. We love what you're doing. And Lord, we just want to see more and more. Lord, come and consume us like a consuming fire. Burn up the dross, the dead wood, the old stuff. Let the fire of God just begin to move in my spirit with new passion, new honor.